Hello humans, hello humans. Long day, afternoon, here. Um, anyway, <laughs> so still um, uh, heading back out now, heading back out to the coast. I was talking to some guys about, I got delayed in a actually quite interesting discussion about computer programming and what's going on and so forth. But that doesn't interest most people, but uh, it was kind of interesting for myself. I uh, was talking to a guy who is a um, retired uh, Navy commander and had served on uh, intelligence gathering boats. Uh, you know, there are three to four, well, like the Liberty that was um, attacked and almost sunk by the um, Israelis. Uh, you know, dirty fucking evil Israelis. Um, anyway, so uh, he, he's on a Liberty-style boat. He was just saying, uh, you know, in 30-day period of time, he didn't say where, any of the details, uh, they had over 200 uh, UAP incidents uh, out and about somewhere, wherever the hell he was. <coughs> so very interesting, that kind of stuff happening all over. So Kerry Cassidy is bitching and moaning at me that I don't, um, she's, she's misunderstood that thinking that I don't accept dreams as prophetic, which I do. I just don't accept all dreams as being prophetic and most are not. And so that's, that's where it comes down to it. It's a, a thing of, yeah, she's probably had a prophet, prophetic dream. Probably nearly everybody does, but just because you have such a dream and connect it to the unfolding um, uh, common reality around us one time doesn't mean that all your dreams are thereafter are uh, prophetic or that necessarily any of them are. And, you know, if you have a uh, mechanism and so on and you can say, well, I've used this mechanism and I've had 35 prophetic dreams and I've been able to track 34 of them by using this method, it's like, well, okay, then the next time you have a dream, then you've got a, you've got a track record, you've got a, um, uh, a rigor, uh, an analysis approach to determine which dreams are prophetic. And so, all right, so I'll go with you on that, right? It's, it's likely that you've got something going on there um, and you may be able to clue into it. Not everybody is or does or can. So, so it's just like dreams are on a low order of um, uh, prophetic kind of uh, approach for me. You know, there's easier ways to uh, collapse the matrix potential and determine what the hell's going on than trying to rely on dreams, which then also have that huge interpretation thing going on, right? You've got to interpret the dream um, relative to itself, to temporal clues, you know, all different kinds of stuff. And so it gets really difficult, at the, to say the least, <coughs> to make any kind of, um, uh, like, appropriate conclusion on it, right? Anyway, um, so I'm, no, I'm not saying that dreams are not prophetic. I'm just saying that, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, a real crapshoot when you're uh, trying to do these ahead. So I agree that prophetic dreams exist and you can track them and, and plot them against um, 
manifesting circumstances, but usually 99.999% of the time, that's only done in hindsight. Only looking back after the events have emerged, do you see how the dream was accurate and so on. <coughs> so I actually think <coughs> my buddy Joe had a dream in which it, it basically told him that Bitcoin was going to hit um, 38,000. He sold then uh, because the dream had a big giant ice cream cone. And then there was this uh, crash business, right? So he's interpreted it as a big crash. Well, um, Bitcoin hit 38,000. He sold out. Then he crashed his airplane. So does that complete the prophetic dream? Or does his interpretation that there's a, a crash coming to the cryptos and so forth make any sense? Was that part of the dream? Well, you know, it's like, I don't know. I think, you know, if I were him, I would say, oh, I crashed. And so I probably misinterpreted the dream. And there's probably not going to be any kind of a crypto crash relative to what I had seen. Because it sure doesn't look that way. It looks like we're going to head into the crack up boom. Uh, the crack up boom was, okay, so Stalin had this uh, brilliant economist by the name of Kondratiev. And Kondratiev uh, was real brilliant, and Stalin said, goes to him and, and, and says, I want to know when capitalism will collapse. And Kondratiev said, sure, no worries. And he goes and he works and he works and he works, and he, he has math and he works some more. And, you know, some months, a year later, he goes back to Stalin and he says, okay, I've got it here, right? Uh, here's, here's the deal. Capitalism will collapse at this point. And it will happen this way. And the way it'll happen is a crack-up boom. And that this is inevitable simply because of the nature of um, central banks and humans. Okay? And that uh, this is all good. Capitalism's going to collapse at this point. But, Mr. Stalin, I got a little bit of bad news. Uh, and that is that communism's going to collapse a lot quicker. It'll, it'll collapse long before capitalism. And so Stalin says, well, blah, 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 I didn't want to hear that, and uh, ships Kondratov off to the gulag uh, for giving him bad news, right? So you got to watch out for these guys. Um, Stalin, by the way, was a Khazarian. Uh, he's Jewish, and he was uh, deeply connected to uh, the Elohim worship cult, in spite of the fact that he was, you know, nominally... Um, communist and an atheist. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know how this shit works out. But anyway, so Kondratov comes up to him in that process of telling Stalin all of this, and he tells him how it's going to go down. And it, it's perfectly logical. It makes perfect sense. We've seen us come close to it a couple of times. But basically what happens is that the, uh, all fiat currencies will go through this. Uh, we see this happening where there have been central banks like in Argentina and so on that have followed this exactly. And uh, so Kondratov is, is correct in how fiat currencies die. Um, and what happens is that your central bank, uh, being controlled by humans, all of these humans have incentives to keep their position and they have incentives to... Um, keep the system going the way it is, and so they will be counted upon to keep on keeping it on. And so that's number one to bear in mind, is that this will all be um, run out, directed, controlled by human emotion at all the various different levels. 
And so, so that's one level of human emotion is that the central bank will not just simply cease. They will keep on at the way that they are keeping on now until they can't do it anymore. And so this ultimately leads to a, a state of acceleration of what they're doing. Okay, so it's not working, but they think if they do it more, fiercer, faster, it will work. That's, that's their um, inherent delusional supported by emotion uh, viewpoint on what's happening. They don't know it's dying. I mean, they do know it's dying, but they think, oh, well, we can, we can stop this. If only we do this, if only we do this. And so uh, we will have a crack up boom in our um, fiat based capitalistic structure. Capitalism is great. It's the only workable economic system right? Socialism doesn't work. Communism doesn't work. They're both, both socialism and communism are uh, Jewish constructs made from the Elohim worship cult. Anyway, so what happens is that we get to the point where we're at right now, where the banks are suddenly finding it difficult to get people to take on debt. Debt is the propellant. It is the fuel for a fiat money system. If you don't have increasing levels of debt, doesn't have to increase much, but it has to increase pretty continuously. But if you don't have that, you start sliding back into a period where the banks can't have it, okay? And that's deflation. If you start paying off the loans and if you start deflating the currency, uh, def deflating the debt that is around a fiat currency, then you get to the point where the banks uh, collapse faster, harder, uh, the whole thing just really crumbles. And so the central banks are desperate to not ever have deflation. So we had deflation in 1932. Uh, prices were falling. So prices in the, in the depression fell down to a certain level uh, that made sense relative to the individual items. And then as we get into this in 1929, 30, 31, then we, as we get into 1932, the lack of demand is such that you have goods start piling up all over that no one wants to buy. And so they will start uh, the process of deflation. The people that have money invested in those goods uh, will um, deflate by lowering the prices on those goods just to get them out the store and to get a little bit of currency because they're like everybody else. They need that, that currency to flow through them in order to be able to pay their bills, etc. We're actually encountering this situation now. I have run into this myself and I've talked to a guy today who was telling me about also running into it himself uh, in another store. So we're running into the period of time where there are goods that are in short supply you can't find so I'm especially running into this uh, starting to get into buying the stuff I'm gonna need for my the extension on my house right there's a lot of, of material that I'm gonna have a hard time locating because the supplies are not readily available for a number of different reasons all coming down to basically though that the money is just shit anyway so uh, I go to some of these places like um, that that have some uh, these kind of goods that are smaller. They're not like giant regional chains and stuff, right? And I go on in there and they're in a situation where in these past five or six years, they bought a lot of items for sale in their stores and the, um, the items are not selling. Okay, they've got goods that are sitting on the on the shelf for over a year now, and that costs them serious money because basically a lot of it is 
they're getting the stock on debt. They're taking out operating loans to buy stock in order to get the stock to then be able to sell to people and to make a profit, to pay back the loan, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have, so even the store owners don't have their own capital at risk. They have the bank's money at risk in this and they're not moving money fast enough. And so uh, as far as a bank is concerned, they can make money off of a business going broke and, and collapsing, but only in a healthy business environment can they do that. If all the businesses are crashing, they're not able to make money on the dissolution of a business. And so even the banks aren't making money now with the state of the, of the local businesses. Uh, so now my businesses that I deal with, some of them are starting to have to uh, discount prices on goods that were purchased a while back just to be able to get them off the shelf because they're not selling. And those things that do sell, they have to replace. But they don't have the cash to buy a new item to replace the one that just sold. And uh, if they use their cash to do that, then they can't pay their employees. And they're not able to get as easily, not able to get bank loans to buy stock in order to move it through their store because they've already got a bank loan and it's uh, it's on stock that is not moving because the economy has turned around to a, a negative state and is uh, and the flow is not um, in their favor so to speak right uh, so it's a real mess uh, so they need to get rid of this shit that doesn't sell they need to buy new stuff to replace the items that have sold that they know will sell because there's a demand for them, but they're hamstrung by the debt structure in getting those goods um, on the shelf and getting the non-selling stuff off of their shelves. And so they're basically going broke really slowly, and it's, and it's agony to watch this. Um, a lot of these guys don't have the... Um, big enough picture view to understand what's happening to their particular uh, environment and their store uh, and its causes at the, the larger social level with the central bank uh, now running into this particular uh, situation. So getting back to Kondratiev. Kondratiev said that we would reach a point, that capitalism would reach a point under central banks. Now, capitalism being run on a constitutional money is entirely different, okay? This is only capitalism as it's structured on fiat currency. That's, the, that's what Kondratiev said. He, uh, he said, basically, if capitalism had sound money, if it would dealt only in silver and gold, hard specie, he called it, um, it would never collapse because it's the most fundamental um, economic system on the planet. But based on fiat, it's going to go through this thing that he called the crack-up boom. And we're very close to that. This is why I was thinking Bo Polney is making, he's, okay, anyway, let me tell you about the, the crack-up boom first. Okay, so the, the crack-up boom is a period of time which the central banks are in now where they will do everything they can to accelerate the process of inflation into their money because they're going to be running into deflation as lots of businesses collapse, lots of loans are paid off, uh, or they've just abandoned, and so the bank has to eat the loan, and so on, and so on, and so on, right? The banks are right now not able to spend the money to sue people uh, on enforcement of loan contracts. That's a big shock. Uh, so if you had a contract and you just walked away from it, um, you know, they'll do what they can, but they're not, not going to put a lawyer on you trying to sue you. Probably they would if it was big money, but anyway. But in general, they can't afford to be proactive that way because of the cost of the attorneys. Um, 
So the crack up boom is where the central bank has to print money as fast or in, in they used to print it as cash, but now we're talking digits, but they have to create money. They have to create fiat. They have to create fake uh, purchasing uh, units um, as fast as they can to keep them circulating uh, because of the degradation of their ability to purchase stuff and the um, confidence in the system has dropped to the level where it's just about to totally fail. And so uh, the confidence in the system uh, is one of the key elements, and we're about to cross a threshold in that. Now, the little bits of data I've got would suggest that probably around February 18th or so, we will have some form of a crossing uh, of the um, confidence level and the fiat currency. And so maybe, um, maybe in the end of February, uh, we just get to a move. It won't happen this way. This is just something I'm, I'm in, uh, picking up in order to give an example. But maybe it'll happen at the end of February that we have vast numbers of uh, people with student loans just walk away from them, just stop making payments. Not that they're forgiven or anything like that, but just people just stop making payments on loans. And it would be something is going to trigger, uh, like in that, in that week in February, uh, it's going to trigger the central bank to go full bore on dropping rates and shoveling money out the door as fast as they can into the banks and hopefully they think into the society and social order at large. Won't happen, but they're going to be desperate and they're going to keep trying it. This is the crack up boom. So they're going to, they can and they will drive the stock market to new highs because they're going to, Biden and the Biden regime is going to mandate that that uh, everybody in their control do everything they can to try and convince the normies that the economy is good. So, um, so that really the crack up boom is them. Uh, if we were talking about actual printing, uh, they would you know the presses would just go and go and go until it was like Weimar Republic and everybody had so much cash that no one wanted anything of it, any more of it. Now we're going to end up with digits where so many will have, they'll, they'll have so many dollars out there that everybody's just going to be sick of it, right? So the, getting back to Bull Polney, he had said that uh, on Nino's show, he was saying, oh, biblical, it's going to be biblical. The end of the year, the crash of the system, it's going to die. It's going to be biblical. Silver is going to go through the roof. Gold's going to go through the roof, right? None of that's happened. None of it will happen. None of it will happen the way he thinks. Um, he's been wrong on all this shit. I've actually got a, um, all right. So, um, I know people that are really into money, like seriously into money and they, uh, they do things even though they're, um, solid, uh, you know, centrist normie money guys, they will even follow woo people, uh, until they prove to themselves that that woo guy is not accurate for their business. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll say, I don't know about this woo shit, but if that guy is making calls on these kind of cryptos and they turn out, I want to pay attention to him regardless of how he's getting the information, right? And because I want to make that money too. So this is how these, uh, uh, big money guys think. Anyway, so I know one of these big money guys. I mean, we're talking people that are, are involved in, you know, hundred millions of dollars a year in, uh, quote, investments, which it's all speculation, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, one of these guys that I know, and I've known him for shit, probably 25 years, uh, or oh, more than that. Uh, he first contacted me, 
late in the 90s, like 99 or something. Anyway, though, um, uh, uh, he contacted me uh, a while back, and we were chatting, and he's, and I'd, we'd brought up stuff, and I'd said Bo Polney, and he was laughing, and he said, hey, wait, 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 let me go and get it. Um, but he, um, they had a report that, that his investment firm had um, uh, contracted. And so they'd contracted with an accountant to go through and watch all the Bopolni uh, videos, make notes of all the dates and the, and the prophecy shit that he had been saying, and then go back and do an analysis, uh, which I thought was really cool. And, you know, and uh, I won't go into what the guy said about the accountant. He was making really a lot of funny jokes about Bo. Uh, in the report here. But in any event, though, the end result was that they found that Bo Polney's, uh, the, act, the the accountant, okay, so the accountant isn't fucking around. He's not taking a quasi hit. He's not taking, oh, it was close, you know, it happened in the same month or anything like that, right? They took Bo Polney's descriptions, they applied them to the calendar, and they went back to see what happened on those days, or if anything, and so on. And so, uh, the guy I was talking to, the, the money manager end of things, not the accountant, but the money manager part of this said that it was one out of 27, that, uh, but Bo got one right out of every 27 of his prognostications. And I would figure that that would be correct, that, you know, it was something on that order. It's, it's far less than chance. Uh, so you're going to be, you know, better than Bo just by getting up and, and deciding to, you know, uh, have a, a financial forecast on, you know, how many times your dog licks his butt, something like that, right? Um, because Bo's God, his Elohim God, is not delivering the goods. He's only doing one out of 27. And so the money managers here are not following Bo Polney. <laughs> uh, they told me about a couple of other guys that are really fucking good. These guys are not using Elohim gods um, that they're following. The guys that they're following uh, in the woo business are using obscure kind of um, uh, algorithms and this sort of thing, uh, you know, chartists and that kind of deal. Uh, one that really had their attention is a chartist that plots money and also, like myself, uh, tracks emotion and language. And he's been been pretty good. Um, they're saying it's over 60% of his calls on stuff uh, are exact. And out of the 40%, half of those are pretty close. Uh, so, in it, you know, there, it's not quite to the number he projects and that sort of thing, right? But it's within this range. So they're very impressed with this guy and they're following this guy and, um, you know, they bought into his service, etc. But they're saying, no, we're not paying money to Bo. You know, one out of 27 is not good enough for us. They, they, he actually figures that if he got one out of 10 and he knew that he was going to get nine wrong, he ha could devise a strategy where that one would pay for the other nine and still produce profit for him. Uh, but he said one out of 27, he says, no, he said, you'd end up having to risk vast quantities of money, uh, hoping that you're on that 27th one that's actually going to, you know, pay off. Right. And so he said, it's a net, net loss. You're just never going to be able to overcome the odds in this. Uh, but that one out of 10, they would work it. And anyway, they're working on a guy now that, that, you know, is getting six out of 10, 60%. So they're, they're pleased. They're quite happy. Uh, but they're not happy in general because they know the crack up boom is coming. And uh, the reason I was talking to him was we, we were talking real estate. He wanted me to uh, basically give him the benefit of my um, uh, local knowledge on real estate in uh, Washington State and so on. Um, not good news for him. 
uh, there's not going to be a safe haven in like um, uh, earning real estate. So there's real estate properties that earn for you. Uh, you know, you, you could rent out a, a, an office to a corporation. That's not going so well. That's commercial real estate, right? Uh, these earning properties are properties that would have uh, resources on them that could be harvested intermittently or were, um, you know, uh, uh, rentals for vacation houses, that kind of thing. That's a different market than, than commercial real estate. It's not really commercial uh, because it's much more um, irregular and happenstance. It falls into these categories of earning properties, uh, but it's not as good as a resource property. Even resource properties are having their problems because the price on resources is all wonky and the fiat currencies are all fucked up. Uh, but in general, resource properties are holding their own in terms of relative value. So I know this because I've got a resource property. I own a little tiny bit of acreage, 48.8 uh, acres. It's timberland. And so we got some good trees we can harvest, etc. But, um, you know, going forward, we'll be able to get some income off of that. But anyway, so, uh, but the crack up boom is coming. Something is going to hit our financial system around the 18th of February that week. Uh, I just picked that day based on the um, cluster of data. Uh, and thereafter, I think it's going to start the process that leads us up to hyperinflation in May. And that by then we'll be into the serious crack up boom. Now, it makes sense that the timeline that I've, I've, been able to see where once your country hits a certain level of hyperinflation, once the people start spending the money as fast as they can get it, once people stop going to um, uh, take out loans and so forth, the country's got about five months before the government collapses. And so that would make our government collapse. If we hit hyperinflation in May, then we're going to have, you know, collapse of the government in October or November. Uh, and that'll be the point at which you don't have college professors showing up. That'll be the point at which, you know, nobody goes to the schools because they're not getting paid enough to make it worth their, their while. I ran into a guy today that is making, um, so he's a kid, he's making $17 an hour and it costs him half of an hour's work in order to buy a fast food lunch. Uh, he's a big guy. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, fast food is not good for you anyway, and he doesn't want to eat it. But, but basically his point was, uh, you know, it's not possible for him to pay for housing and pay for food and, and pay on any debt he may have, uh, at this, uh, level of purchasing power with the currency. And so he doesn't know what to, what he's going to do. Uh, you know, and it's a real bitch for kids that way. Um, He's got an uncle uh, who lives east of the mountains, uh, in the dry side of western or eastern Washington. And so yeah, I was talking to the kid, and we, um, you know, I told him, hey, you know, you might want to go over to your uncle's place. He told me where it's located, and uh, use that as a base, stay with him for a while, and go out and pan gold, get ahead of the game. And so uh, he's seriously thinking about that. Anyway, uh, I'm back here and I got to do put away and do chores and stuff. Um, so crank up boom, I figure is the, the process of it starts in February. You should maybe see all time highs on stock market shit, maybe in March. And then it's going to go way downhill real fucking fast uh, as we get into April and May.
And that's to say nothing of the impact of the hyper novelty. Anyway, guys, take care. Uh, talk to you later. I got some stuff coming up. Maybe I can make a video about it.